Welcome to episode five of the Random Assortment, hosted by me, your boy Sean. Stop, drop, and if you don't follow me, use a app. Go do that on the show's IG page real quick. That's at Random Assortment Podcast. Today, I'm honored to be joined by a dignified black man, a life coach, racial equity and social justice advocate, activist, singer, and an all around amazing human being. I give him all of that. Y'all give it up one time for my boy, Curell Julian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome, sir. I almost butchered your name again if you if you didn't notice. I know. Stay with the disrespect, but I'm I'm grateful to be here anyway. I am happy to have you, good <laughs> sir. And as a starting point, I'd like to congratulate you on your acceptance to Morehouse. Major oh, dope accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, grateful. Thank you so much. How does it I'm feel? I'm excited about it. Uh, really cool. You know, like, so today's actually registration. So, uh, well, I'm saying today, I guess your podcast folks whenever they get this, but, um, and so I'm, I'm registering and it feels kind of surreal because I had a little back and forth with them, but for the most part, it was, uh, it's, it's cool. It's very exciting. I've always wanted to go to an HBCU and graduating from a PWI high school many, many moons ago. Um, it just, they, they didn't promote HBCUs. And so uh, when I found out what they were, it was kind of like a, oh my gosh, we got to figure out a way to go. I mean, amazing accomplishment. Again, I just want to congratulate you. You're definitely deserving. And I think you're going to do great, great things at Morehouse for sure. Um, how long did it take me to get your name right? Because this is not the first time that I've butchered your name, unfortunately, during the duration of our friendship. Uh, no, it isn't. And, um, I think to some extent you may still not get it completely right. I think you did it fine for today, but regularly, and, and it's not even your fault. I actually don't correct people as often as I really need to because I personally have gotten tired and it's just one of those things, right? But like Curell is uh, how I think you have said it for a long time. And I think one of the things that I've adapted is like being called Q because people saying mm. Curell always like makes Q. it out like the name starts with a Q. Uh, and so that's how a couple folks have actually like it's a nickname I, I got ages ago from folks who have said the name the same way. And uh, so, yeah, Curel is not the way, but well, I'm good with it. <laughs> well, Curel isn't it, though. So that's that's the end of it. <laughs> it's Curel. Curel. Right. Listen. Curel. Like I like Purell like, better. It reminds me of Purell. I think that's what I reference when I'm saying your name. It is what you reference, and you've been referencing it for quite a few years now. And for quite a few years now, that reference has been inaccurate. <laughs> that's bad. This is not a good induction into our friendship. I feel like I feel like if that was your concern, bro, that would have been something you'd have rectified ages ago. <laughs> I'll be trying. Don't judge me, yeah. okay? Yeah, no. I'm a, I'm a black man. You know, I got things coming from every angle. I got to be discerned, you know, about what I choose to battle out here. Yeah, listen, I've come to understand that African-American vernacular English is not actually about, like, pronunciations. That's actually a Absolutely core aspect not. of the dialect. So, you know, I... We, you know, we can talk about all that stuff, right? But, like, it's a, it's a core aspect of what we do. Absolutely. Saying things the way we choose uh, as a function of of how we sound things out and the rest of it. Well, sir, I am very glad you're joining me today. People, I met Kirill in probably, was it 2018, I think? Yeah, I think um, late 2018. And 
then yeah, yep, late 2018. And he's definitely a very intelligent man, as you can tell. Definitely has provided me some great resources. We actually just got out of a meeting um, that I won't discuss because I don't know the you know circumstances right. surrounding that. Right, right. What I do want to start today's episode with is a game, which is new for me. I usually don't start with a game. I, you know, I only did one game, and that was in the previous episode. But today, we're going to start with a game. Okay. So, this game is called New York or Nah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So, here are the rules, right? In this yeah. Jeopardy-style game, I'll ask you a set of 11 questions relating to New York City, including two okay. true or false questions. Okay. You'll answer in either a Jeopardy style or with just the answer, whatever you prefer. You're gonna ask me. You're gonna ask me 11 New York centric questions. 11. You like that odd number, don't you? Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very Stranger Things of you, but I um, mean, I'm who are you it. talking to, sir? Right. No, I know. Uh, right. Yeah, I know. If you get four more of these wrong, I'm obligated to pull your New York City rank, bro. <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, I just want to make sure for the people, right? Like, I've lived in New York City for 10, almost 10 years. Damn. And, right. But I, I was raised in New Jersey and, and the greater New York area, right? So, still in the know, ideally, ideally, I'm going to do my thing. I, uh, I got faith in you. <laughs> Ten years I, is a I, long I, time. I, You're officially a New Yorker after ten years, bro. Like, let's stop playing here. Okay. All right. No, listen, I'm with it. Is, um, you, is you ready? I'm with it. So, okay. So you said you're going to ask these 11 questions and I have to answer them Jeopardy style. You can answer Jeopardy style or you can just shoot out the answer, whichever you prefer. I know that may Got be a little, a little annoying. Yeah. Yeah. You ready? You sure? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm ready. All right. Question one. You can typically find this food for one dollar at various parlors throughout the city. Food for one dollar at various parlors throughout parlors, though. Uh, for one dollar. What is a bagel and cream cheese? No. Name the company providing primary source of transportation for New York City residents. The company providing the primary source of transportation for New York residents? Yes. What is the MTA? Yes. Ding, ding, ding. These convenience stores wait, are... Wait, wait, wait. Can we just go back for a minute? Like, so what is your question? Um, so going back to your first question, uh -huh. right? Um, what, like, what, what was the answer? Is it, is it a bagel and cream cheese or was it like a butter roll? Where the hell like did you get a bagel and cream cheese for a dollar? You, you tell me. You can, no, you can go, like, you go into, like, like a, like a, one of your little parlors, your bodega, and, like, they got them already made sitting there. Yeah, not in no. my local bodega. They got, that's at least a 150 right there. Uh, no, like there's no like you walk in you're like yo, let me get a butter roll or whatever, and it's like a little basket. A butter roll butter is roll different, wrapped in plastic. But like you can get a butter roll. That's why you know I'm like for a dollar, a bagel and cream cheese or a butter roll, and only sitting there in a basket. The answer is pizza, sir. What? Pizza. Okay, but pizza. Okay, so, so for a dollar, I haven't even seen any dollar pizza spots anymore since the pandemic. All right. Question number three. These convenience stores are on almost every block and are usually open late or 24 hours a day. Uh, what is a bodega? Correct. True or false, yeah. Central Park is the largest park in New York City. Um, uh, 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 false. 
False. Absolutely. Do you know which park is the largest park in New York? Yeah. Uh, um, it would. It's in the so uh, Bronx Park East. What is what is Bronx right, Park East? Right borough, wrong park. Pelham mm-hmm. Bay Park. Pelham Bay Park. Okay. Yeah, I keep forgetting that. Is there? Uh, you were in the don't city. Go there. It's okay. <laughs> what was the original name for New York created by Dutch settlers in 1624? What is New Amsterdam? Correct. It was renamed by the English in 1664 in honor of the Dork of York. The Dork of York? The dork. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Dork of York. <laughs> I mean, it's white. It's white people. So I like dork that better. It's probably it's probably accurate. But, no, it was renamed but, uh, by the English in 1664 in honor of the Duke of York. Got it. No, I got it. The dork of York. <laughs> <laughs> this section of one borough birthed emerging talents like Louis Armstrong, Duke Ellington, Paul Roberson, and Langston Hughes. <laughs> what is Harlem? Come on, somebody. Correct. I'm this borough is home to the famous haagen ice cream. haagen is from New York? It um, is. I didn't know this previously either, actually. I will admit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I mean, Hagen, Hagen, okay, um, what is, um, I'm just gonna go with, with Brooklyn, cause, cause Hagen Dazs seems like one of those, like, 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 hoity-toity white people things that kind of like, because Brooklyn was the first to gentrify, so I feel like that makes sense. The name, it sounds very like it's from Sweden or some shit. that's right, the it, Bronx. What? Right? Your hometown. It's like, like, like Yankee Stadium Bronx, or like. Yankee Stadium the Bronx, nigga. Wow. Okay, you learn something new every day. This is New York City's you, largest borough. You, oh, okay. All right, we're moving on. Yeah, got it. And is affectionately named after English <laughs> Queen Catherine of Braganza. Uh, what is Queens? Correct. And I kind of gave that answer out in the question. You did, yeah. True or false? New York City is the birthplace of LGBTQ plus rights in the USA. Mm. Um, LGBTQ plus rights, and then, so I'm thinking like the LGBTQ civil rights movement, and I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna I'm gonna say true, and caveat it with like there were a lot of other things happening mm-hmm. in the in the country. So we talking about but, the USA but, specifically. No, I know, and in the the USA is a country, and Absolutely. there were other things happening too. But yes, yes, so true for the LGBTQ civil rights movement. Yes, and you um, are indeed. correct. I'm citing Stonewall, 1969. Right, right, exactly. So yeah, that makes sense. Two more questions. Number ten. This borough is the least populated, and most of its land consists of trees and wildlife. What is um, New Jersey's forgotten stepchild? <laughs> I said borough. That's the tri-state. Right. That's not a borough. No, I'm, I'm talking about Staten Island. Okay, then. Ding, ding, ding. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ain't nothing out there but bagels, uh, Italians, and uh, fauna. And ferries. Who the fuck is taking a ferry to a borough? Anyway. Okay. This borough is home to three of rap's biggest acts, dead or alive. And I feel like this question is subjective. It is subjective, um, you know, because I'm from a boogie down. Uh, hey. But I'm going to say, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's I'm gonna say it's Brooklyn. What is Brooklyn? Absolutely. I'm citing Biggie, Jay-Z, and Little Kim. So congratulations. Oh, you got okay. most of those all right. Yeah. Very New I mean, York. Little Kim's from Brooklyn, but okay. I forget that. You know, you learn something new every day. She is absolutely from Brooklyn. That's how her and Biggie met. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Stay focused. Um, So I did introduce you in the beginning of the episode, and I told the people what you do for a living. Right. Um, Wait, did you? I did. You're a life coach um, at work. You're a racial equity and social justice advocate. Right. Currently director of accessibility, but, you know, oh, I let that rock. Come on, director of accessibility? Yeah. Just, just letting you know. Just, come you know, on. It's only like a month or some change old, but director of accessibility, let's go. Congratulations, black man. You are For also real. an activist. Yeah. And you are a singer. So what is it that the director of accessibility does? Uh, so, you know, so one of the things that's really cool is like the inaugural one here at the agency. There was not one before it. And it's like a lot of act, like advocacy here at the agency, you know, especially after COVID and a lot of the work that I had done kind of yielded a need for accessibility. Like, so the, um, and accessibility, and I'm talking about people in the disabled community, right? People who are disabled, people with disabilities. Okay. So, um, my job is to really look at like what structural and cultural change here at the agency for people with disabilities would look like and then actually like take action on it. So plan and strategize, you know, collaborate and partner with um, stakeholders, you know, externally and internally, whether it's community partners, other government agencies like, you know, uh, mayor's office for people with disabilities, things like that, and um, really um, work to make the agency a more uh, accessible place. That's an amazing job, especially being a black man, because I don't think there's anything that we need more than accessibility to programs to funds, to a lot of shit. Um, right. You know, um, and I think one of the things that's really interesting is like when you think about people with disabilities, we very often, like when you think about people with disabilities, do you think about like black, Hispanic, LGBTQ people? Obviously, because, you know, those people could fit into a category of being disabled. Yeah. For some reason. Right, but I think like the face of a lot of these 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 conversations tends to be like, white people right mm. and i think one of the things that's really really interesting is like it's an opportunity for me to bring a lot of my other social justice and racial equity work into this space right um to to really work toward the group of people within the um within the community who are the most marginalized and that tends to be you know like immigrant people with disabilities right because because they're immigrants they don't have the same access um you know low income you know, black and Hispanic folk because they don't have the same, maybe they don't have the same levels of education. Maybe they don't have, you know, whatever it is that, you know, keeps them marginalized, keeps them disenfranchised and disempowered, right? Really refuse. And then also culturally, the communities, right? Mm-hmm. Don't have the, the conversation in the same way that like uh, white communities tend to. So, um, it's just, it's, it's an important conversation to have. It's an important thing to really think about that it's not just about people with disabilities as a broad swath, right? But that if we're doing the work at the at the lowest rungs of, of marginalization, right? Mm-hmm. Then or, you know, I guess depending on how you look at it, then you're doing the work for everybody. And so I'm I'm really excited about it in from that standpoint. Super dope. That was definitely the word that came to my mind uh just before you started speaking, marginalized people. Yeah. 
And I mean, I know that that is like a taboo. I think people are moving away from saying marginalized, but like, you know, I think that it speaks to a very specific, like people existing on the margins, people who are forgotten about, they're not spoken about, they're not receiving the same levels of support and services, that kind of thing. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no matter how far people want to get away from the word marginalized, I think there is a still large part of people who are marginalized. Yeah. And, and some, there's a need to find a word that works. That's uh, not that if we are going to do it. Absolutely. I would agree. Good work you're doing there, sir. Congratulations to you again. Thank you. Uh, you Thank owe me you. a Manny Petty date. It's been quite a while. Say it again? You owe me a Manny Petty date. It's been quite a while. Facts, facts. I, was I not the first person ever took you to get a Manny Petty? You were actually. You were the first guy <laughs> in New York City to take me to get a Manny Petty. Because when you asked me that, I'm like, do I want to do what? But right. like, no, I bite my nails. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, nah, but they were super dope. And the place was in Harlem. If you know, y'all happen to be in Harlem. I think it was on One Sixteenth, right? Uh, yeah, Fair Spa, Fair Spa. I think I'm like one one six one oh three one oh six one oh three like one oh six somewhere actually pretty low. If y'all need those good old Manny Petties, definitely go out to that place and get them. It's dope, super clean, and the people there are very cool. Yeah, they served us liquor. Word, right? Uh, remember? I felt like I was a housewife in that shit. Like what yeah. the <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. They served us liquor up in there. Yo. So I'm not sure if you're ready. What? I want to jump into my first topic. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most definitely. Right, right, right. Um, so topic number one for today is the Patriot Front. Have you ever heard of the Patriot Front? Uh, I'm not super familiar. Gotcha. Um, so the Patriot Front is what they're calling the new Ku Klux Klan. Got it. Right. Okay. Right, right, right. A group of white supremacists. Uh, who right, of course. Going around. No, it's not like I imagined they were anything but white supremacists, but sure. I mean, you know, they're going around, they're picketing, uh, they're targeting uh, African-American and Latino people in marginalized neighborhoods. Right, of course they are. Uh, I, I know you are a social justice advocate. You definitely never miss an opportunity to correct somebody, whether on a social justice platform or otherwise. Yeah, Okay. So, uh, have you like heard anything about the Patriot Front? No, you know, I'm honestly, honestly, I'm going to say no, and I'm, but I'm not surprised, right? Like, there's like white people going white, right? And at the end of the day, um, if they're not calling the police on somebody, you know, walking through the park and taking pictures, they're calling the police on somebody who's sleeping in, you know, their college library. Like, it's, I think all, all of whiteness that can do stuff like that is organized. It's all organized crime. It's all, it's, you know what I'm saying? So it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that like a, a new, a new age Ku Klux Klan, it's not really new. It's just the same old thing. They're doing the same old thing. But today, you know what I'm saying? So, um, no, I'm not, I'm not surprised at all. I know that's not really what you asked. I don't know too much about them, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, right? But it's just, it's, it's, to me, it, it's like, it's another day. Absolutely. This article I actually pulled from, uh, theurbandaily.com. Right. Um, and they really adjust or, excuse me, they addressed who the Patriot Front was. Um, right. according to them, quote, 
According to the Southern Poverty Law Center, the Patriot Front is a white nationalist hate group that broke off from Vanguard America in the aftermath of the deadly Unite the Right rally in Virginia on right. August 12th. Right, that was where the, uh, right, okay. So th- that's where they actually spawned from. Um, I didn't want to really bring attention to this group, but I also think it is important that we recognize these groups um, personally, just because we don't want to be sleep at the wheel and then boom, you have another KKK out here rioting and shooting black people and but I mean, you got that. It's called the police, right? Like I, I'm not. Whoa, like, whoa. <laughs> I don't. I'm not gonna. You know, like I'm not gonna pretend. Like I hear you. Like yeah, yeah somebody should stay awake uh, to like the new groups that are coming in and 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 highlight them. And so I'm grateful that you're mentioning it, mm-hmm. right? But like, if you are just vigilant to what is happening, period. Mm-hmm. Again, this is why I believe that it's it's not new. I'm not like moved by it, right? Like there, there always gonna be somebody, you know, white. And whatever, white. believe what they believe, and they're going to, you know, they're going to take action on what they believe the way they, the way that they believe, right? You've got like the, the the riots on January 6th, right? Like you've got all of these different groups that firmly believe that that like black people should be under heel, right? And uh, or that you know if immigrants should go back to their country, like this country's not founded on immigration, right. so like I just you know legal or otherwise, but like. You know, like it's not founded on immigration. Like everybody here wasn't immigrants. Like the first people here weren't y'all whites. So like it just, I, I'm not, I just don't find myself particularly moved. And I, and I, um, I'm just, I'm just kind of like, all right, cool. You know, it's Monday. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like white people go white. Like that's, and that's just that. Absolutely. Um, while we're talking about the police, there's definitely been a rash of mass shootings uh, throughout the states. Uh, probably yeah. too many to mention at this point. It's just almost like a regular occurrence now. Yeah, you know, and it, it's one of those weird things to me where it's like, if it's not the police, it's, it's the police not doing anything about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think the prevailing conversation is just that policing is archaic. And I know people want to talk about like, oh, yeah, you know, defund the police, blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm for that, right? Right. I, I want this structure of policing to just be done with, right? In the, in, in the, in the way that it's currently drawn up and the way that it's currently written up and the way that it is, right, currently operationalized, it just needs to and has been operationalized for the last hundreds of years. Just like do away with it. Like it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Like if you're supposed to be protecting and serving, then protect and serve, but don't actually be the, the black and blue KKK, right? Like that's actually not the answer. And it doesn't matter to me, and here's my little hot take, it doesn't matter to me who black and Hispanic person joins the police force and it's like, I'm gonna affect change from within. It's not a thing. You joining today has nothing to do with the hundreds of years of oppression and violent oppression that this organization has enacted against, you know, people that like black folk, right? So it's just, it's not, like the whole entire thing needs to be addressed. And then from there, right, like we need to really develop new ways of, of tackling crime, right? Whether it's like, you know, looking at the, the core, the core needs of communities and really addressing them, right? Like poverty, right? And like systemic structural issues that are plaguing these communities and keeping them, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, demoralized and disenfranchised and creating the scarcity that is present that causes these things. Um, so I, I just, policing isn't it. And uh, yeah, it's just not. They're just another gang. As far as I'm concerned. Listen, I would definitely uh, piggyback off of that by saying police are trash. 
probably in all 50 yeah. states. Yeah. Um, they probably do more harm than help at this point. At this point, right? And defunding I mean, the, police the police is, is not like a terrible judges, idea. Say that again? I said defunding the police is not a terrible idea. Right. They don't stop crime. Like they're At not, all. They're not stopping crime is happening and they're responding to it. So like, And the responses and are shoddy as fuck. So shoddy and so shifty, right? And, and, and when they commit the crime, it's, uh, it's, it's like, I mean, I'm glad for that bill. A lot of states are passing it that, uh, forces for transparency in, uh, police mis- uh, misconduct, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to a podcast and I cannot remember the name of it. Um, but I will, I will get it louder than a riot. Hmm. Was it louder than a riot? I think it was. Right. And that podcast really speaks to, I think it was on NPR, really speaks to, um, but I'll, I'll make sure I get it and I'll give it to you so you can put it in like wherever you put it for like, for the folks. But yeah, so another good podcast to just listen to that speaks to like police injustice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, and instances of it that have like, if it weren't for some of these laws that are being passed, uh, would have otherwise gone unnoticed. But then one of the big things is like listening to how many times the same one police officer has had an offense. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And it's like the, the the way that the system is set up, they go without having to answer for it. They go on paid leave. They do all these things, right? And then they, you know, they can be fired and reinstated into their positions because of loopholes. It's, it's crazy. And, um, you know, yeah, yeah. So you're saying like defund the police. For me, I'm like, Yes, to fund them, I do believe we still need some kind of a protection, guardianship for like, but we need to address the root cause. Mm-hmm. And then once we've done all that and like created reparations, created, you know, resilient systems, like created recovery systems, so made it so that way people can be like thrive in their communities, then there's still some need for us to address, right? Like the folks that, um, like choose that out of just choosing it and not out of like need. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I don't know how to really better talk through that. It, it makes perfectly complete sense to me. And I, I'm going to speak right now from a very candid place as a black man who is yeah. continually harassed by the police. And I am very mild mannered. I literally be chilling and minding my business, but right. they always find a way to intertwine into my business as well. Right. So I want to get into right. some of the ridiculous reasons they've pulled me over or stopped me, searched my car, pulled all of my friends out of the car. Yeah, um, happened to the best of us. One instance, they were in front of me on the opposite side of the street. They said that they pulled me over because my tail light was out. Wait, how? Good question. And that was what I asked the police officer. And I think she got a little annoyed by that. Like, how can you see my tail light from the front of me? Because that's what you're saying is out and why you pulled me over. I got arrested that night, bro. Like, no bullshit. Are you serious? No bullshit. I got arrested and taken to jail because they were saying that my New York license was suspended, even though I had a license from another state at the time. And that state had taken my New York license. So, yeah. I don't even understand the world that we're living in right now. Listen, um, on another instance, they said that I had both of my headphones in and it was an obstruction to my hearing. They could see your other ear from inside of my car. Apparently, um, I, mean, I, wanna... like, I could I could I could understand them being like, okay, the left ear, right? Mm-hmm. But how do they see the right ear? On top of that, I only had one headphone in my left ear. <laughs> On top of that, right? Fully suited, coming from work, one headphone in. But that was why they said they pulled me over. 
Um, I wasn't surprised because of where I was. I was um, on like 100th Street and 1st Avenue. No, of course not. Right. So it's like that's Harlem. That's Spanish Harlem, technically. But you're just exiting like you're just exiting the Upper East Side. Right. So there wasn't a surprise there, even though I was fully suited, tie on everything. They didn't give a Right. That was when you were working at that spot. Yep. <laughs> I don't know how much of this you're missing, though. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Presby, yes. Shout out yeah, to Presby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying. Um, and just various other reasons. I've literally been pulled over at gunpoint because they said I've stolen a vehicle that I hadn't stolen. Imagine. Gunpoint, bro. Like, mad cops around me. Get the f*** out of the car. Like, crazy. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like, y'all are here doing not your job. Right. Right? Like, you've got a job to go do. There's somebody, like, like mugging somebody on a train in a train station, and y'all are nowhere to be found. Nope. But you're, you're hyper-policing black communities. Right? And, and, and that's... Uh, <laughs> Ooh, especially here in New York City, Man. I have such a problem with so many of the ways that they police black uh, and and brown communities. And not that black and brown is synonymous with like poverty, but like let's be clear that in New York City, because of the way that like redlining and all that stuff happens, like they make it so that way those things are synonymous, right? Absolutely. And so like everything that this city does is a money grab. Like I was talking the other day to um to another one of my colleagues, like she she and I were like driving through um Astoria mm-hmm. and like in lots of parts of the Astoria, do you know that they only have like parking, like street cleaning one day a week? Nice. One day, Wednesday. Do you know we've moved cars four times? Four times. Which <laughs> four is times crazy. A week we have an opportunity. Well I know you know. Yeah, right? Absolutely. But, like, in the Bronx and Harlem and in communities in Queens and, and Brooklyn, they move their car four times a week. And they had suspended right? that for the pandemic, but I just seen on the news that they're reinstating they, they, that. They reinstated it, reinstated that. Crazy. Think, so, like, I sit here and I'm like, that's just y'all trying to bleed money from communities that don't have money. And then when the time comes, you take it, you take it some more, you take it again, and these tickets are like 50, 60, 70, 80, $90, right? You take it, you take it, you take it, and then now the car is eligible to be booted if the person don't pay it. But I couldn't pay the money, and now my car gets booted. Right. And you ever see like cars with boots off for weeks because the people don't have the money and you have to pay to remove the boot. That's a couple hundred bucks. Then you have to pay at the same time all the tickets. Yep. Right. And if y'all weren't and this is like tickets that you could just get in one week because you've missed the like somebody's come along and ticketed you Literally. before you could hit your car. Right. And like it's, it's stupid because they do all that ticketing only to turn around and not come clean the street. Mm-hmm. Or here comes a cleaning thing at 70 miles per hour down your block and misses all the garbage. <laughs> like, <laughs> so when he comes, he's not doing nothing. It's just the worst. And it is. It's, it really literally is like just systemic and structural oppression. Like, like that's all it is at its best. That's right? New York. It's not, at so its it's core. not just policing, right? Yeah. It's not just policing. It's everything about government that doesn't work, right? Because, yeah, whatever. And it especially doesn't work for us. Right. And that's yeah, designed I mean, specifically. That's not a coincidence. You know what you know what the homegirl told me and another person told me that too, who's like uh was like, um Yeah, but you know, like they clean week like like in those communities where they only come once a week, like the community members clean the blocks. Yeah? Cause those blocks are littered with with like dog crap all up and down the streets, right? And they're not like clean and like pristine or none of that. So, like, what are you talking about? Yeah, how much cleaning are they doing? 
Like, how much cleaner? Like, and I, I'm, I'm like, okay, when was the last time you walked out and swept in front of your doorstep? She was like, never. I was like, oh, okay. Imagine saying that shit and then be like, never. I was like, never. Clean what doorstep? Never. Are you kidding? Like, it's just so silly. Like, it's just, anyway. Yeah, New York is definitely a, a money grab. Yeah, I don't think people realize just what level of, like, New York City's got the most racist a number of industries and sectors of government. Absolutely. In the country, it is right? The worst. Like and they are hidden the in plain most sight. Most racist and segregated number of different industries in the country. Wild. It's crazy. Yeah, I definitely have no plans on returning to New York City unless I'm in a tax bracket uh, way above what I am now. Right, and you'll still get pulled over. Absolutely, because so. I'm young and I'm black and my hat's real low. Right. What? Yeah. Well. Okay. I got the. I got the. I got the rest. You got that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What? What are you talking about?" I, I may not have to pull your black card today. Oh, what? <laughs> I was just like, "Yeah, racism," and I'm like, "You talking about who? That's Jay Z." Oh, okay. Yo, this is the funniest shit ever. <laughs> Since we on the topic of black. We gonna throw in another game just for the fun of it. Oh my god! I'm snatching your black card this game. For it doesn't. We don't have to do this though. We have to do this. This is necessary. Okay. Okay. The people right, need so, to know. Okay. okay. You ready? So this one is black movie trivia. <laughs> I just want you to know I'm stressed out. <laughs> Already? <laughs> Damn! I just told you the name of the game. No, it's just I, I don't know a lot of black movies. <laughs> Oh, so out. oh, dear Lord, Father Jesus, please put your hands on this man and put some black into his veins. Well, I'm going to just uh, sit my black card on the table. You do that, and I will be yeah. snatching it if you get uh, three or more of these wrong. Yeah, feel free to send me your address and a self-addressed stamped envelope. Do they still have those? They do, actually. Yeah. Oh, I have yeah. some okay. at work here. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is my very first uh, trivia round based around movies. Uh, last one we did was about TV shows. Got it. All right. So it'll be a fast fact round, including 10 short questions, which you'll have 10 seconds to answer. Okay. You'll need to answer seven questions correctly or hand over that black card, nigga. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah clearly. Is you ready? No. Let's play. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> How many house party series are there? House party. Um, <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's the one with Kid and Play, right? It is. You, Got it. There we go. Okay. We're, we're on the right so, track. Uh, I'm going to go with three. Okay. You were close. You were close. There's four. Got it. <laughs> What is the I feel f- like three because don't people say like after the third one, the fourth one wasn't good? Yeah, literally. Right. So I feel like I shouldn't get my black card. I don't even remember the fourth one. Well, right. that was question one. So, you know, what's, what's the question? Oh. Okay. Uh, what is the famous phrase from the movie Friday? Famous phrase from the um Friday. Uh, you, uh, you ain't got to lie, Craig. Bye, Felicia. The hell? Oh, Okay, no, wait. Okay, but you ain't got to lie, Craig. Has been something we've been saying since like the nineties. That's definitely one of them. But I think uh, more people know by Felicia. I think like recently, but when nobody's saying that before, like twenty fourteen. Listen, it's twenty twenty two. Okay. 
Step into the bad side. Uh, Question three. This 1950s story depicts the life of the first African-American Major League Baseball player. Uh, um, Come on now, I gave you the clue. The very first African-American Major League Baseball player. No, I know know his name. Name Uh, that man. I know know in my mind, I'm just... uh, I don't know. It sounds like it's a lot of YT sh- lying around in there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm thinking in my head? And I can't get his name. I, was, I don't even want to say it. You, I don't even want to say it. Say it. Was, we need to hear it. Was, Let's go. First of all, you're not following my 10 second rule. Okay, okay. I just can't think of his name. It's um The, the name is coming to my head, and I know this ain't even. <laughs> Thinking like Babe Ruth, nigga. Like, <laughs> no, nigga. No, nigga. No, nigga. Um, 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 oh, oh, didn't I actor play him? Um, Jackie Robinson. There you go. The Jackie Robinson story. What's his name played him, right? Before he, um, yeah, you're asking too much. Question four What is no, the no, genre no. of the film Love and Basketball? Oh, it's a romance. Absolutely. For which NBA team does Quincy's father play in Love and Basketball? Uh, Quincy had a dad in Love and Basketball? He did. He was not fatherless. Got it. You remember uh, the dad was a little aggressive and then, you know, mom was kind of short I'm, and shit. I'm just going to name, I really don't remember. So I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to name like the, 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 the Sixers, the Pacers, the, the Pacers, the Bulls. Nope. I know basketball. Uh, it was Los Angeles Clippers. Who directed mm-hmm. the film Get Out? I said, get the uh, out. Jordan Peele. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. What was Mookie's job in Do the Right Thing? There was a Mookie in Do the Right Thing? There was okay, a so I just want to say that I've not seen this movie, right? So Clearly. Uh, um, did, he, did he sell haagen in the Bronx? Not a thing. He was a pizza delivery boy. <laughs> what the fuck? Nigga said he was at the original cart where they had shaved ices. No. Oh, my God. He wasn't selling tamarindo and like... <laughs> no, senor. Sorry, papi. Sorry, papi. <laughs> he wasn't handing out uh, butter rolls at the bodega. I'm not going down this road with you. Got you. And okay. Moonlight, what was Chiron's nickname when he was a child? Chiron had a nickname when he, he was did. a child? And it wasn't like Psy? Nope. That'd be too easy. Got it. Got it. Uh, I do not know. Little. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't have got that. Who was the first African American Uh to win an Academy Award? The Academy Award is the one for movies, right? Yes, sir. Because the Academy, right. Okay, so. Didn't, um... That's YT sh- you know. The hell? That's who sh- Like, white? Sh- like... Yes. Uh, right, wasn't it, like, Sidney Poitier? You know, that's actually a good guess. It's not correct. But I probably would have guessed that if I didn't know that it was Hattie McDaniel. Well, I feel like you know that because you went researching it. And now you go in my business. I'm not the one <laughs> being questioned. I'm, I'm not confident that you knew all these answers. Who directed the Malcolm X movie released in 1992? That's uh, that's that's the one with Denzel Washington. Yep. 
It is. And um, very popular uh, director there. I know. Okay, so I've got what's coming to mind, but I know that it's. I know that it's. I know that it was Spike Lee, but in my mind, I keep thinking John Singleton. It was Spike Lee. You are correct. Got you. I am sorry, sir, though, but I do have to revoke your black card after that. I'm yeah, but I yeah got way too many of those wrong. How many? How many did I get? (laughs) Did I get wrong? You probably got the number that I wanted you to get wrong in order to keep your black card right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Why you have to go in a roundabout way? I'm just saying. <laughs> Ratios matter, bro. Damn. <laughs> it's okay though, you know. Next time we're gonna get him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm rushing to come back on this podcast. <laughs> you. F- <laughs> Breaking wood. Hey, oh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on Roe versus Wade being overturned? Whew, Lord. Uh, so I feel like this is one of many like little hot takes, and I mm-hmm. I want to say that as a cisgender man um, of any race, but specifically a cisgender black man, mm-hmm. um, I don't have a hook in that water, right? Like I am not a birthing person. Right. And it's not my place to, um, it's not my or any other cisgendered man, again, of any race to really speak on. I think that they have, uh, overturned it is like a great, this, this, uh, here's, here's, here's my thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's not even so much that Roe v. Wade was overturned. It's that when we talk about inalienable rights, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that we let states decide these things. There are certain things that should just always be, right? Consistent. And the right to an abortion for any reason, right? I, and and this is me saying it as like somebody who is pro-choice, right? Like I personally, for me, would am, am pro-life, but like I think for everybody else, I, like it's your right to choose, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I can have, I can be two things. You know what I'm saying? Like I. But again, I'm not a birthing person. So I don't, I'm not a woman. I'm not, you know, a person that can give birth to a child or another human being. So I don't really, I say I'm, I'm pro-life, but like the burden is not on me to bring a person into this world. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like, it's real easy for a guy to be like, well, let me wash my hands of everything after I, you know, bust a nut in, in a, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's easy for that to be the way that we just roll off and like deal with life, right? Absolutely. And so then our partner has to deal with nine months of, you know, sickness of possible diabetes that's gestational, possible, you know, like the bleeding and, and, and the morning, like all of that stuff, right? And, and that's if we've consented to give birth, right? Far less the people who give birth to stillborn children, far less, mm. you know, the folks that, like, that are raped, that are sexually, like, accosted and, you know, now have this, this, this reminder of the abuse and the trauma, right? And and not that a person should be considered that way, right? Like, but but that like, I feel like I'm going on and on, but it's it's just I I think it's a travesty. It's a it's a it's one of the many ways this country continues to say to me um, that specifically Black and Hispanic lives don't matter, Absolutely. right? Like, not that white people aren't getting abortions. That's not what I'm saying, but I. It's it's just another way that I mean it that it it is not accurate that this is the land of the free, right? Mm-hmm. The land of opportunity. It's it's not accurate that all of these things are things. 
I love that assessment. And we definitely know who the large party is getting abortions, and it's not Caucasian women, obviously. Yeah, I mean, not in the same, right? Like, this country set up for Caucasian women to win at mm-hmm. every turn, Absolutely. right? And so, yeah, it's not, I mean, and again, not that Caucasian women are not getting abortions, but like, you know, it's it's not, it's just set up for them to be okay and to, to live, and you know, and this is not anything against my, you know, my, my Caucasian, my white homegirl friends, right, mm-hmm. that are like really cool and doing the work, whatever, but y'all understand too yeah. that like, this is it's this is wrong uh so y'all know that i love me some food and y'all know that i'm vegan on our food segment uh today i'm excited about a new bistro opening in los angeles by comedian kevin hart according to the in los angeles in los angeles no i am kevin hart by kevin hart is he known for cooking not to my knowledge he's known for comedy okay so then is this food a joke? <laughs> well, according to the UrbanDaily.com, the Heart House. Yeah, uh, they're, a, they're a reputable news source. <laughs> the Heart House menu. <laughs> you are a reputable news source, the UrbanDaily.com. I visit you frequently. All right. All right, listen, whatever. Each one to each one is his own. All right. The menu will reportedly feature items like vegan burgers, vegan chicken sandwiches, nuggets, fries, tater tots, and salad. Oh, I'm sorry. Kevin Hart is a vegan? Um, I don't think he is. A, well, I'm actually not sure if he's a vegan, but I believe he is now. I don't remember that being in his documentary comedy special. Yeah, when that was released, he, probably he wasn't a vegan then. But you know, everybody is on the vegan trend now. Which, not everybody. Well, most people. Uh, I'm definitely mm-hmm. certainly not most people. Which most people are vegan? Um, I wouldn't say most people are vegan, but uh, most people are on the vegan wave or are familiar with the vegan wave. Yeah, I mean, we might have a vegan uh, an Impossible Burger, but that don't mean we all listen. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are familiar <laughs> with eat some, you know, the vegan soy, lifestyle. Some, some tofu chicken don't mean. But definitely him, and also um, there's a basketball player too, CP3. He's also heavily uh-huh. in the vegan shit. Uh, Chris, Chris Paul, Paul. Chris Paul III. Yes, sir. He's heavy in the vegan shit. And he just did a commercial recently with Tabitha and no, no, excuse me, not Tabitha. Chef Joya. You probably don't know who Chef Joya is. Is she the? Um, I got on that. She's a, I would say the premier vegan soul food chef. Like, there's nobody who sets it up like her. Like, from. Right, because I know Auntie Tab be just taking string beans and throwing them in a pot. You know what I mean? Yeah, she, she's because very minimal with the they food. Are she's great. Absolutely gonna come for me. And I'm yeah, you, you played on Tabitha's time. I like Tabitha, uh, Tabitha Brown. And listen, Yo, Tabitha she's Brown amazing, bro. People. But what I do know. Is that you know she you know she's just a little basic with her like what she made I think she made yeah let me not no 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 let me not because yeah let ooh, you I don't not know what she before I even get a moment <laughs> yeah she definitely does her like you know little dishes and shit. she does create some things too and it, that's fun to do as a vegan you know creating recipes yeah. that we loved for years and years yeah. no of course but Chef Joya is a whole different level of chefs like I want to take your word for it. No, you got to go visit her like Instagram and you'll see she does, she, does she have a private dining. She, she doesn't have a restaurant, but if uh, you pay her, she will come out to you and set up and she'll have all of the fucking 
forks and knives and uh, napkins uh. and shit and set up and she'll have like a chef on staff. Like she's amazing, bro. Yeah, make sure let me let me let me go ahead and uh, pay her to bring some paper and buffalo paper. No, and, seriously, you could pay her for like a private dinner or if you want to have a group dinner and like she'll just bring everything you'll have to pay for, you know, travels and food and shit. Where is she from? She I don't know where she's from, but I know she lives in Charlotte. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were her agent. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yo, I just okay. love vegan no, food. Cool. Like that was my That's very cool. When I first became vegan, I wasn't sure what the and so, like, my task a lot of the time was, like, transitioning the shit I used to love, veganized, like, and that was just pretty much, like, swapping ingredients. So, to see her do that, like, at another level with the soul food shit, super dope. I, I love yeah. her. But this restaurant that Kevin Hart is opening is dope, too. And I just want to say that all of the things that he mentioned are easy things to make. At this point in 2022 in America, there's no reason why most restaurants don't have these vegan variations within the store or like a vegan option. Literally, bro. And like even the vegan restaurants, they be mad mediocre in a lot of places. Like there's not a lot of great vegan restaurants. It's like, what the f*** are you doing? Yeah. No, there are some good ones here in New York, right? But like. Definitely. And we've been to some. Not that good. We've been to quite a few. You've introduced me to Red Bamboo, right? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Hot take. Uh, which other one have we been to? Um, the one in the in the in the in in Harlem where you you go, you sit down, and then you leave smelling like the kitchen. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> smelling burnt. Uh, uh, Uptown veg. But Uptown. No, Uptown veg is the is the terrible Jamaican one, right? Yo, you are horrible. You will not and slander then, the vegan restaurants in New York City. But yes. Um, are you, you're not talking about seasoned vegan. We went there? I think I am talking about seasoned vegan. Yeah, okay. you and I went there. I like seasoned vegan. It's, it's the decent. Season, the food was, the food was fine, but you walk out and you smell like you was in the kitchen behind the stove. Listen, they nuggets be busting though. I, I won't hold you. Uh, they no. they okay. do have a good nugget. Terry hates seasoned yeah. vegan, BTW. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I don't. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, I forgot that I was on the phone with you for a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot we was recording? Uh, shout out to folks. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> oh, man. But um, listen, restauranters, like, y'all losing out on major business. If you hadn't noticed, uh, the vegan plant-based movement is the movement of now. But, you know what, though? I will say that there's, like, a part of it where it's, like, it really takes care, right? And when you're talking about like moving, as I don't say moving away to New York, but like when you're moving as much food and product as a lot of these restaurants are, mm. the prep time on vegan food is actually really high, mm. right? Like to make those drumsticks, you gotta like soak the, the, the whatever wrappers and like wrap them around it and like blah, 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 with the coconuts, with the bamboo sticks, if you use those or like whatever, like it's, it's, it's work. And then you have to do all of this work to season the stuff. It's all this extra seasoning to like the the umami stuff, the the that, that mushroom uh, powder, and like it's it's a lot to make vegan food that tastes like the meat that people might be missing or whatever. And there's a part of me that wishes that there would be a renaissance for vegan food that would be like, no, this is actually just how vegan food tastes. It doesn't have to taste like a steak. It doesn't <laughs> have to taste like shrimp. It doesn't have to taste like chicken. This is this is how it tastes. Mm, very problematic, sir. I'm just saying, like I think. It's just too, it's too much that we're like, oh yeah, I'm trying to make something that tastes like ribs. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't need to taste like ribs. Let it be, you know, vegan something. I don't know. So a lot of us that became vegan, it's not that we hate meat. You know, we're doing it probably for health reasons. Maybe cancer runs in our family. So, because yeah. it ain't for the environment. Because vegan stuff is if you've not eaten that, that much stuff on the environment. If you've eaten that stuff all of your life, it's just like this is what we cook. That's comparative to that. It doesn't mean that we want it to be that. Yeah, no, fair. I, I, listen, I'm not. I'm not knocking. I grew up very like vegetarian, which I, I understand is not vegan. But like, I grew up eating, Close. you know, Loma Linda and um, uh, what's that other company? The big brand that like. Um, the Morning Star Farms. Like I grew up eating oh, all of that stuff. Like I love. I would eat like the Morning Star Farms, like bacon right off the package. Like it's it's really good. Mm. So like, you know, like I grew up eating all of that, and and because uh, my dad was vegetarian, um, and he eventually transitioned to vegan. So we would only get like Shout out the pops outside. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so like I'm 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 I get it, and it's easy for me, right? But like. You know, I, I just don't, I, I don't know. I just, I just don't see why we need to make a thing taste like a thing. Yeah. I think it's just something to compare it to. That's, that's really all. Yeah. But I mean, the comparison is almost never really there, right? It's, it's always going to, I think vegan stuff is always going to fall just shy. I, I say this and I love me like an impossible Whopper, but I love the fact that it tastes different from meat. Like I, I love that it doesn't taste like a Whopper. I think Impossible right. Burgers taste like burgers to me. Like, that's probably they, the closest they, they, like, they don't taste like beef to me, though. Okay. Right? Like, I don't, gotcha. they don't, I don't get beef when I eat that. When I eat, like, you know, the, those nasty chicken nuggets from, um, KFC, which, for the record, like, the first bite is cool, but every bite after that is like, I don't know, cardboard? Yeah, I would have my time on those. I've never had them. First of all, they were calling it a bucket of chicken. And then when I seen it was nuggets, I'm like, what are we doing here? That, you know, I think that they eventually wanted, I don't, I don't know. It's always funny how they do stuff like marketing. They don't want to call a thing a thing because there's a lot of like brand loyalty or consumer energy or whatever around names and words mean things. So listen, consumers. Okay. If we want to call our chicken nuggets, chicken, let us do that. Huh? Are you KFC? <laughs> no, I I don't like that with those KFC vegan nuggets. This is trash. No, I just yeah, it sounds like you were speaking on behalf of KFC. You're like consumers. I'm like, yeah, you, you know, you no, because I, I find it more often than not, y'all are complaining about us calling whatever we want to call our food, whatever we want to call it, and it's like, how does this affect you? Got it. You know, that's all I'm saying. You know, if I want to call my little chicken nugget a chicken nugget, let me mind my business and call it a chicken nugget. A chicken nugget. It, yeah, no. Nah. Who deemed uh, chicken as the say-all, be-all? You feel me? Right. Yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, I always tell y'all every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little okay, moment. Okay. A little moment, you know. <laughs> you meat eaters. Y'all be jumping out y'all box sometimes. I'd be like, all right. I know I'd be all diplomatic and shit. But, um, yeah, I know I tell y'all every episode that I've been vegan. It's been four years now. What I haven't divulged is the reason I became vegan. It was funny because I was in New York recently. I was talking to my boy Frank, um, uh-huh. who, by the way, now owns a hoodie line. Shout out to him. 
Go follow his hoodie line on Instagram at official vital soul. Um, but he's the first nigga on my block to be like, yo, what made you go vegan? And I actually wrote a piece about this that's available on my Tumblr, Wizard of Words, the number Not one. Not a Tumblr. Yes, sir. Wizard of Words, the number one dot Tumblr dot com. If you want to go check is that it, out. Is it a safe for work Tumblr? It is. Absolutely. Um, it's okay. just really poetic pieces. There's some like lyrics. Um, there's some think pieces that are like, I guess, retweeted, as you would say, if you were on right. Twitter. So, yeah, that definitely work safe. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's work safe. It's nothing <laughs> explicit. The most you're going to get is like some Charlie Brown pictures. I don't think your boss is going to be like, hey, what's up? They might. They just might. Yeah, that's the possibility. They, they might. <laughs> yeah, but he was like the first nigga on the block to be like, yo, what made you go vegan? Um, and it was a three point system for me. It, it started with the. What are you, U turn? What you said? That's a three point system. What are you, a U turn? Shut the f up. <laughs> <laughs> it started with the passing of my uncle, Uncle Robert, in late 2018. Mm -hmm. um, he died from colon cancer. Mm, damn, RP. Uh, and if you knew my great grandma, we had crazy Sunday dinners every Sunday. Um, so the second point was watching the Netflix documentary, What the Health, mm. and just learning. That's the Michael, is that the Michael Bay one? No. I'm not sure, but okay. it, it's the major one that's on Netflix, but it, you know, it teaches you about the production of food in the U.S. A lot of scary s*** there. Got you. Um, and then the last reason was a common one, I would say, and a nigga just wanted to lose a few pounds, like. And I did. I lost 60 pounds once I uh, ceased my consumption of meat. Yeah, that's everything. And did you work out while you did it? I did not. There was no major workouts. It was, it was just stop eating meat and uh, wow. byproducts wow, of wow. meat. And that literally shredded 60 pounds off of my body. Wow. Okay. Well, so, listen, yeah. congratulations to that. My God. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's, it was difficult, like, really retraining your brain because everything you knew for all of the 30 years I've been here and have been meat, uh, you know, meat based. It's like, okay, you have a meat in two sides. And so you, mm -hmm. you really have to retrain your brain. And I think that's important to do from your childhood curses either way. But I mean, are you, are you fully vegan now or do you still I'm fully, like indulge? I'm, I'm fully vegan now. The only thing that I say that I eat that's a little sketchy and some vegans may side eye me about <laughs> is white sugar. Um, white sugar is not vegan. It is not white How sugar. How is it not vegan? Internal plant. Because when when sugar originally comes from the plant, it's not white, right? You don't see like white sugar plants. Okay, but okay, but no way. Vegan is not synonymous with like, uh, like, uh, like organic or whatever. Like the two aren't the same. So like, no, it came from a plant. Vegan is like plant based. Those are synonymous. Sugar's from a plant. It does come from a plant. What happens is when they turn it white, they use a process called charring, C-H-A-R-I-N-G. And that okay. charring process uses bones from animals. Oh, no. Yeah. So that actually really? converts that sugar from vegan sugar to non-vegan sugar. No way. <laughs> yes, sir. So wait, is brown sugar vegan? It is. Oh, brown sugar wow. is vegan. Um, 
but yeah, and like little things like that, and like dyes like yellow number five and red number forty. Um, right, all comes from beetles and stuff like that, right? right? Well, they contain pork. Oh, so, well, aren't there some that come from like crushed up beetles, like red something? Um, and like, well, you mean like beetles, like the bug? No, beetles like the Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> No, I never heard of uh, beetles and die. I've heard of beetles. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know that they still use them, but, like, the, the crushed up, like, carcasses of, like, certain beetles, like, turn red. They were using, like, red number something is from, hold on. That's crazy as hell. I... Yeah. The cocknail is a scale what? insect in the suborder sterna, whatever, from which the natural dye carmine is derived, mm-hmm. a primary sesaline parasite native to it. But this isn't, like, the only one. Like, yeah. what red dye is made from beetles? I don't know. That's like my first time hearing of that. But I I honestly wouldn't be surprised. Like, there's a lot of little shit you probably eat every day that contains, like, meat or a meat byproduct, and you have no clue. So Yeah, red number 40 is not made from bugs, beetles, and red dye is made from... Pork. Red dye made from beetles is called carmine, carminic acid, cocknail, or red 4. Red 40 is made synthetically from petroleum. Ew. Yep. Look at that. And that's be in sodas and all types of shit. wouldn't even imagine that it's in yeah so Yuck. the vegan life definitely changed my life and it, it forced me to look at ingredients on shit, like read everything and just like know exactly what you're putting in your body and that's super important you know coming from uh, african-american family where you know we, we ate you know back in the day niggas ain't have it like that so we ate what we had available like you know yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah, really, yeah, no, I get that. It's important to retrain your brain. So shout out to Kevin Hart for opening up the the heart. Right, it all comes back to Kevin Hart. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we left him like a half an hour ago, but yeah, shout out to Kevin right. Hart. Hopefully he can right. get that into a franchise and probably move it through other states besides Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean, hopefully his restaurant does well. Yes. Um, if you are familiar... Black Rican Vegan is another premier vegan chef that I love. Go check her out on Instagram. She is a yep, Black Rican Vegan. So Rican like, like Puerto Rican? Yeah, Puerto Rican. Yeah, Puerto Rican. So yeah, Puerto Rican. <laughs> Whereas, <laughs> yo, you're going to hell. Woo. Whereas Whoa. Chef Joya what was that is. That said, yeah. what was that? <laughs> yo, whereas Chef Joya is the premier soul food chef, I would say that she's the premier Latin food chef. Um, Got it. But yeah, it's like this sh- rolling out slowly, and I don't understand why because there's so many vegans and people cooking online, and it's like, where the f- restaurants in the reflection of this shit like right so if you out there and you want to start a restaurant you may want to start a, a vegan restaurant you know you, you might be caked up after that um i want to thank you again for for bringing me amarula from south africa oh now that's not vegan no it, it was not oh is it is it is it vegan no, no because remember i think i was just like I don't know. I think I was just starting my vegan journey then, and I kept asking you, like, is this milk in it, bro? And it, yeah. it, it did have dairy in it, but it was amazing. Yeah, Amarula is everything. Uh, it's still one of my favorite. Like, if, you, if, uh, if, if y'all out there, if you like Bailey's Irish cream or any of that Bailey stuff, 
try Amarula. It's from South Africa. It's made, it's like a drink like Bailey's, right? But it's made from the, from the Marula fruit and Marula tree. Mm. And it's, it's just, it is, oh, it's just divine. It's so good. Uh, and it's like a fruity version of Bailey's, um, serve it chill over some ice, ideally, and like sip on it like you would like Bailey's. And I, I, I promise you, you will not go wrong. Uh, it's so good. Very nice. Sorry, I just had to put a, I don't have steak in this company, so. Listen, let them know. Yeah. You were the first one to introduce me to it straight from South Africa. I had that very pretty bottle. I didn't want to drink it, but I had to. Oh, I mean, you can drink it, just keep the bottle. I think that was the night that we recorded the podcast, right? It was. We sat right there in the living room we and took recorded some it. Shots and we recorded. Look at yeah. I feel like I'm so indebted to you, friend. Yeah, you are. When this becomes no, a big no, deal, like no. you feel free to break me off with a uh, with a, a twenty spot. You were supposed to agree with that. In a twenty, that's really oh, good. Uh, that's like twenty thousand. We talking big people stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're gonna have to talk a little later. <laughs> 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 More conversation is needed. <laughs> Listen, if, you, if you've been under a rock and haven't heard, the iconic Wendy Williams show has come to an end. Its final episode aired Friday, June 17th, and okay. it featured a video montage of the talk show. Growing up in New York, Wendy was definitely in my house and in my car since young. Uh, controversial as always. She went from radio to the big screen right before our eyes. And while I didn't like her approach, it does come with the territory. Undoubtedly, her ability to grasp our attention through the speaker or screen was undeniably entertaining. Uh, many artists are selling inclusion today to their supporters. And you guys don't quite know that. Um, but I'd say that she was one of the first and she did so without social media. She definitely makes you feel like she's dishing directly to you. Um, and like she's sitting across from you. And while maintaining a celebrity lifestyle, she managed to remain relevant and dedicated to the culture. Aunt Wendy will definitely live in our heads rent free for years to come. Her shoes will be hard to fill. With that being said, I don't think this is the end for the iconic talk show. And I'll keep it a wrap. I wrote this little segment before her uh, announcement about her podcast. podcast right? So shout out to her because Wendy is coming back to us in one way or another. And we know she had been fired from radio stations before and she made a triumphant return. So there's no surprise there. Yeah, yeah. Didn't she start in Philly? I believe so, yeah. She did. She started in Philly and then came to New York and then we got that knockoff Charlemagne who on his own has built his own thing. But Absolutely, he clear. has. Right, like, to, and he's successful. Like, he all power to that black man. I really actually like him a lot, but like, ultimately, he's just like, you know, knock off Wendy. Yeah, listen, I, he is definitely a spawn of the Wendy Williams era. Right, 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 right. And I think a lot of people are right. Like, yeah, absolutely. There's not, you know, Wendy Williams and like Howard Stern, and, and then you think about like radio I think like for a long time it was just a guy's thing there was there were women but like Wendy Williams was the first like really like real like you know out here speaking and saying what was on her mind and Mm -hmm. saying like the unpopular things and so um you know she made you know unfortunately she made you know a name for doing that that kind of a lot of people like you said it's either you loved her or you hated her mm-hmm. right and the people who hated her really i think they hated that they loved her right like because <laughs> yeah. it, it was you were fine with her largely Unless you repeat she wasn't talking about you <laughs> or, or if you repeat, <laughs> yeah. Diddy, 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 yeah diddy was always on the 
but you know, so, um, you know, uh, I think, you know, I remember when she like left, was it power one Oh five? Yeah. And then she went to the, the television show. Uh, and now she's well, even the television show. And she went to power one Oh five, one or the other. Actually, right. It was all of that, I think. And then, but I mean, you know, um, but I, I grew up really also listening to Wendy Williams and I'm very grateful for the, you know, like, how are you doing? It's still a thing that people are doing. Right. I love um, that saying. Yeah. She's, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> Yo. <laughs> well, in other news, the Sherry show is set to air sometime this year. And unimportant. While I enjoy Sherry, I think she's funny. <laughs> 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 you know, and I have all this <laughs> written here, but honestly, a, that's the Cliff that, Notes version. Before Wendy Williams, bro, like, why do you say that after? <laughs> like Sherry Shepard's not following up Wendy Williams. That's like, <laughs> I, I don't. All right, okay, no, I'm sorry. Sorry, Yo. Sherry Shepard, I love you too. I like, love I'm Sherry. Not, I met Sherry before. That. It's not even about that, Sherry. It's just the timing was bad, and like. You're cool and everything. You're not Wendy. I just would have wanted to know about this before. Bro, literally my same thoughts. Like, I love Sherry. And I met her before, like I was saying, at a, a bodega in Harlem called Poppy Store on 126th Street and 5th Avenue. She was living in a local building in Harlem. Just naming stuff. Listen, you know, got to plug the people in. Uh, but she was mad cool. You know, like, she, we had a nice little talk power. I was surprised she was even talking to me. But, you know, she she definitely was really, really cool. But I just don't think that she's going to fill Wendy's shoes. If she's not, I mean, I, you know, I, she, if she's not. She's going to she's gonna do her own thing. Yeah, right? definitely. If Shepard was on the um, the talk, the, was it? Was she on The View sometimes? I, you know what, I don't know. None of them shows, that I don't, I don't yeah, know. I think she was on but, The View at one point as like a, you know, guest co-host or I don't know, like main co-host or uh, some shit. Yeah, she might have been. I like, yeah, she might have been. I, like, it's all daytime television. I'm here at work, you know, grinding away when I should be home watching TV. So yeah. But yeah, listen, good luck to you, Sherry, and your daytime talk show endeavors. Right. I'm sure you'll do amazing. Um, right. I I wanted to talk about. Oh wait, actually, didn't you hear? Was it Jennifer Hudson is getting also a talk show? Is she really? And that's another one of those things. It's like, yeah. Everybody is doing talk <laughs> really? shows now, but I can't imagine Jennifer Hudson being on a Jennifer Hudson to get a talk show. Yeah, I'm gonna leave her on Dream Girls. <laughs> no, not even trying to be funny, but like, I just don't. I can't not, envision not, like not it's not stick to the rivers and the lakes that you used to, Jennifer Hudson. But listen, and that's just me being a a consumer, right? Because I don't know what uh, kind of evolution she's had over the years, or you know what's going on with her now. So maybe she's in a space to be a talk show host. I mean, I feel like I'm open to her being on a talk show. I just I've not known Jennifer Hudson to be like a conversationalist. Like I don't, right. I just don't know enough about her. I think in some of those spaces to be like. Oh yeah, that's the show I watch. And again, if it's daytime television, I'm here at work, so I'm not gonna watch it anyway. <laughs> and if it's daytime television, I don't know. <laughs> I ain't got cable, so <laughs> yo, you know? <laughs> air it out, huh? Air it out. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll wait for the episode of the podcast where you talk about it. <laughs> um, I wanted to 
talk about some shootings, but I just feel like I'm always talking about shootings. And honestly, that's not my fault. There's just been a rash number of mass shootings recently in the States. Um, I was thoroughly disgusted by Texas representatives' response to those shootings. Oh, you mean like the Uvalde? Yes, but uh, Mr. Ronnie Jackson, just trash. Yeah. Um, He's talking about banning drag shows, like... Bruh, uh... Oh, my God. What are we doing Oh, my God. Just really f- Oh, my God. Okay. And, and also, yeah. Brian Slatten. Just, like, ridiculous foolishness. I don't know. I don't know if you knew, um, but I had taken a trip up to Niagara Falls uh, a few weeks ago. No, you don't tell me these things. <laughs> I'm telling you now. And so, like, I've... <laughs> I had taken a trip up to uh, Niagara Falls a few weeks ago, maybe like a month ago for like Memorial Weekend. Mm. I guess that was more than a few weeks. And uh, it was a road trip. And on the way back down, we stopped in um, in uh, in Buffalo um, and uh, at the Tops and, you know, Southern Memorial and all that other stuff. And it's 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 one of those things that's just kind of like y'all's inability to enact gun laws. Uh, y'all's inability to police your badass kids, um, and I'm specifically speaking to you whites, right? Like, like this, like the, and, ah, boy, like it's, it's, it's just that y'all can be like, we are taking away your right to, um, to an abortion, right? That y'all can be like, we're, you know, outlawing critical race theory, which, uh, this is these are absolutely great reasons to have it um absolutely being taught in schools and in places and whatever that y'all are like you know well my kid can't be in the presence of drag queens you know ain't nobody ever killed nobody at a drag show Man. right i mean people have been slayed to- <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> but ain't nobody ever been killed at a drag show right like it just it shows that like European government is just too in everybody's business and they're right. taking their personal beliefs like if we're supposed to and this is one of the things that I was saying about like the whole Roe v. Wade thing I made a post about it right like we are supposed to be like a, a church and state separated government right mm-hmm. run country and like it's people's own personal religious beliefs that they keep on pushing on folk and not that guns are like a religious belief but if I became president let me be clear the first thing that I would work to do is is undo that amendment that allows for like gun ownership is not a privilege. It's not a right. Sorry, it's not a right. You should not be, have a right to a gun. It is a privilege, and you should be regularly like medically assessed. You should have to renew your license. You should have to apply for it again. And like when it is like when it's up, you should have to. We shouldn't be able to roll up in a in a in a. Some of these states have really really lax laws around like how you can procure a gun. Like you just walk into a Walmart, they'll file a thing in the background check and then 15 minutes later you're out with a rifle. Is in, like it's wrong, right? And I'm grateful for states like New York that have like, like you try to buy a gun in New York City, not only do you have to go through New York State's stringent process, but then New York City has an even more stringent process that you have to also go through, mm-hmm. right? But New York really recently... Gun, you have to go through all kinds of stuff to get one. But New York recently uh, overturned that law where you needed a reason to carry a gun openly. Now you don't. Oh, I didn't even. I wasn't even familiar yes, with that. Yes, sir. Like, so you can buy a gun from another state and just be walking around I, New York now <laughs> with that. Sh- like, uh, 
which is terrible. Honestly, I don't think it's going to be major because if you in the streets, you know, like the guns is in the streets already, regardless of the laws or not. Yeah. Um, and I went to New York for Father's Day weekend. Shout out to Harlem because it, it, Harlem is just always on time. We had a beautiful Father's Day cookout and uh, at a cookout a few blocks over, rest in peace to Darius Lee. It was a mass shooting, as they called it. Some kids pulled up on bicycles, city bikes, and just shot up the cookout. And they killed this young 21-year-old basketball star, Darius Lee, who, from what I understand, is not even a street guy. Like, you feel me? Like, so it's just senseless bullshit. It was just crazy. And come to find out later that it hit home a little closer because he, like, he he knows people that I know and shit that. So it, it it was just crazy time. It was nice to be back in the city, but that definitely put a damper on things. And, you know, that just goes to say that, you know, they clearly can't stop the guns from coming. But making lax laws like that definitely will create a weird environment. Yeah. Weirder than was, it already is. I was listening to uh, Haagen-Dazs. Is, uh, actually, it's very interesting. Haagen-Dazs has a podcast. Um, oh, shit. Right. Called, Everybody has uh, a podcast now, though. Um, it's not Hagen, I'm sorry. Ben and Jerry's has oh. a podcast. <laughs> um, called, <laughs> picture me called Into the Mix, right? Um, and they, uh, it's all, it's done by like Ashley C. Ford, right? And, and, um, um, and, <clears throat> uh, they had, uh, Jeffrey Robinson on there who, who just did that, uh, that video on Netflix called Who We Are and, uh, which is like a chronicle, Who We Are, a chronicle of race. Uh, and racism, I think, in the United States, which I, I'm gonna go watch. Uh, I just finished. I need to watch that too. I've never seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, it, I, I mean, this is an episode from like April, at the end of April, but I, uh, cause I'm regularly behind on my podcast, but I just finished listening to this episode today. I saved the movie in my Netflix. I'm gonna go watch it, but, um, you know, they were literally just talking about how, uh, Jeffrey Robinson was just talking about how, um, there's a, a police force in, um, some boondocky hick town in the middle of nowhere, right? White people. And, uh, where he's like one of a few police officers on the force, right? And, uh, he was, uh, misappropriating police contracts, right? Like misusing police contracts and like, and laws to like, like loopholing it, his way into like importing guns into his community, right? And like, he was just talking about how like these things don't go reported, right? It's just locally little something, right? And um, like we talk about like how you know how guns get into communities. How do we like if you can't bring a gun in and there's laws and all this other stuff to bring up? So who's getting guns? Man. Niggas ain't manufacturing guns. Yo. Right, like how's it getting here? And it's it's because it's it's like the drugs. It's like the drugs. It's there's war on drugs and all stuff. These things are being planted in communities, literally, right, by the government. The same little government, like you know, thank you Biden, you're out here and sleeping and doing the rest of it. Biden, sorry, <laughs> old ass nigga. Um, but like it just it's just it's just I sit back and I'm like y'all are are failing triumphantly, mm-hmm. right. Because, you know, we talked about the police force before, but so on top of, right, all the stress you give us, then you also are putting and feeding our communities with the same guns you want to come and shoot us for. Like, 
right? Like that is the ultimate like mind, person, culture, structure, system fuck. And like, it, it just, look, if you guys, I'm just going to say, right? If y'all like white people, emotionally distressed folk, right? Like, you know, you like incels and the rest of y'all who, for whatever reason, feel like you need to run into a elementary school and shoot that hoe up. Like, I just, I just, I was listening to another podcast or somebody, somebody was like, another hot take, right? And like, nobody wants to say stuff like this, but like, just start with you. Yeah. Just start with you. Save all these little kids. Like, the idea that there's a little kid in Uvalde, apologies to the town, screwing up the name, but that there's a little girl who, for the rest of her life, needs to go through trauma, right? Because she had to cover herself in her classmates' blood. That's some sh- Walking Dead, bro. Yo, and listen, and I've always said, like, yo, you know, I don't know if I would survive from Walking Dead. I don't have to because this shit out here is The Walking Dead. Literally, bro, we are in The Walking Dead. This shit out here is The Walking Dead. Like, oh, like white supremacy is actually the virus that's killing niggas. Man, and drones, and and a lot of us don't even know because it's so like underwritten in so many places. Man, oh my god, interwoven and, and so, like, into the culture. Oof. It's just, it's bad. And, you know, I, I, I say it again because I said it. If you feel like you need to go secure a gun from anywhere to show up at a riot to protect the, the community, right? Because that's your job. Not, not the police's job. It's your job, right? If you feel like you need to go into a school to shoot up at anything or you need to go to a tops to shoot up a, or a church where black folk are, like if that's what you feel like you need to do as a white supremacist, patriot, whatever, KKK, whoever, like Trump leaning asshole, right? Pretty much. Just look in the mirror and, and, and start with you. That's it. That's it. That is it. Right? Like Simon Sinek says, start with why. I'm going to co opt that and be like, no, start with you. Not why. You. Absolutely. (laughs) Start with you. That's crazy. I was listening to a podcast too called The Hella Black Podcast. Oh, I like that podcast. Oh, you're familiar. I don't listen to it like I need to, but uh, I think I got it from you, maybe. And uh, it's, it's interesting. They are, and lately are talking a lot about like, this new African thought and, you know, like just retraining the African mind because we live in such a a Eurocentric universe and we don't realize Mm -hmm. a lot of this is happening is happening in front of our faces. Right. And they were talking about police shooting and police actually being the ones doing most of the shooting. Meanwhile, (laughs) they're on the news like, oh, it's because of like violence and like our communities, which is another a fashion of, you know, retraining your brain, as they described it. And it's absolutely true. Like, it's literally like the police do most of the shooting in the U.S., but here it is, they're equating it to violence and other things, and it, it, it's just not a match, bro. Like, y'all do most of the shooting and create the gun violence that we have here, and you and it's being normalized through you guys. Yeah. Like, these young white men feel comfortable because they see you shooting us every day on tv like right right it's literally just a normal everyday thing for them right you're telling them that it's okay to and yeah there's i feel like there's okay so here's the problem with like racism right and i know like this is a this is the same rabbit hole you and i go down every time we speak right Mm -hmm. like there's so much to say 
there's so much to talk about, right? Like the idea that, you know, at this point in time, anybody listening to your podcast, I pray and source abundance for you mm-hmm. that like your podcast is being listened to by millions of people, right? Like anybody, and then specifically this episode, cause you know me, but like, <laughs> <at the> end, <laughs> may this be your most listened to episode, but like, the, uh, I mean, nothing against any of the other other episodes. I actually like them a lot, but I'm just saying. Yes, um, understandable. No, you know, shameless luck. But, like, at the end of the day, right, if you are looking at this country as a whole, right, there's not anything about it that wasn't built on racism. Mm. And for the people out there who be like, capitalism was first, right? Like, get your shit together. Man. Right. Like capitalism is a byproduct of of racism. Right. It's us wanting to make money off of it. And it's the reason why we have slavery. Literally. Right. Like, like, stop. And so, like, at the, I just I just I think about, like, all of these institutions that have been built around, like, racism. Right. I've, it's, and it's just like the whole policing, this whole concept of policing. Right. Is like policing runaway slaves. Right, like just just that. And anybody who watched that Harriet Tubman movie with um, ooh, but but I uh, don't remember. But with the with the dude who I was um, what's her name? So Cynthia Erivo. Cynthia Erivo. Right. I was trying to think of the singer. Cynthia Erivo. And there's a part, and I didn't see the other one, the other Harriet Tubman movie, but the one with, that she did with like um, there was a part where um, there is a fabricated like black dude who's like a hunter thing that's not a real thing but the but there's like also just the idea that there's like people who are on horses riding around patrolling for runaway slaves that was policing and that's where the whole institution comes from right and so at the end of the day like you know again and this is going back to the other statement we made anybody entering the police force today going oh i'm going to reform it and change it from within you're dumb as far stop I don't even right. know how you could, as a minority, even want to enter the police department. And, and I don't care. And to all of you white folk with, like, your well-meaning brothers and sisters who are sick, like, you also are dumb. As Okay? And if like, you are to join that police department, I have to believe you're Uncle racist. how was or is and how many, like, cannolis he buys for the kids in the park. <laughs> I don't care. You're dumb. Right? And he is racist. As Period, right? Because what you don't know when you're sitting at home worshiping Uncle Paulie for what he does is all of the like, all of the the the, the Negro beating and the the killing, like all of the things that they I'm saying killing. Like Uncle Paulie may not have killed anybody, but like at the end of the day, he may be indirectly responsible for all kinds of stuff. Listen, right? In a structure built on racism, there's no such thing as a good cop. None, absolutely none. And if you can sleep at night being a black police officer, knowing what's happening around you, then my friend, you have lost this battle before it even began. Bruh, I saw. Did you see that video of the of the the um the black dude in the uh in the subway who was like he's been there for forever doing um was he playing music for people right and like he has his own and all of a sudden like they come and they take him away like I guess he didn't have permits or whatever which is the other way that this 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 city goes ahead and like proves that it stank with like needing to just make money off of every fucking body right but like here's this dude with his thing for years going ahead and playing and he's like an african dude and you just see like half of the cops that were there were black cops and like one of them was like a black woman who had like 
like lunged at him and he's like, help, help. Like, it's like, uh, let me just swipe away from it. Let me just keep yeah. scrolling. I did actually this, see the beginning of that and I turned it off immediately when I yeah, see the other cops it's, around It's him. wild. It's wild. And like for somebody not doing anything, but okay, he's like illegally doing what he's doing, right? Like, which is playing music. Illegally, because we have to have a permit to do that. Mm-hmm. So Y'all have to tackle. Like, that's what that, this is. That's what we that's where we at. It is. Um, I want to bring up a point uh, by one of my favorite activists, Sean King, who I probably have mentioned every episode I've taped. <laughs> uh, yeah. And this one clearly is no different. Very minute point that I'm going to bring up. I'm going to skip over what you just said. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but he definitely said that if you are to encounter a police officer who wants to communicate with you, invoke your right to an attorney immediately and say nothing further. Don't have a conversation. Don't answer any questions. Say nothing further. Anything that you do say will be used against you, obviously, is what they say in the Miranda rights. But it's literal. Um, and they're like fishing to find something if they don't have something. So don't talk to them. No, at they all. No good right? But like, then us. they want to harass you, and now you end up the next story on the nigga. Like, it's it's whatever. It's crazy house, crazy crazy town we live in. Right? It's like, yeah, no, okay, great, thank you so much, Sean King. But that's exactly what's going to get these black folk killed. Man, right? Like, the problem, the problem. Wait, wait, wait. The problem isn't that like I'm not, and this isn't against Sean King, right? Like, whatever about Sean King, but yeah. like. The problem is there's no right answer here, Yeah. right? Because the wrong cop, and maybe depending on if you're the system, the right cop, will like then continue to be belligerent, Facts. right? And for refusing and, and, and upholding your rights, and, and they'll read them to you, right? For, for, for upholding those rights, then you get taken off to, to the police, uh, to jail, and then you, you end up dead in jail, right? And they don't have an answer for why. Listen, if you if you are a Caucasian person, the retraining needs to start in your home. Start with your children, because it's the little things that you teach them when they're young about black people and about what being black is and what, you know, black skin means to them that grooms them into like this greater racist person unknowingly because of all of the little things that they've been taught. So start at home. And I think I told a group of Caucasian people that once <laughs> we were, no, they were doing no, some demonstration and I'm like, y'all need to start in your houses. Like, but that's the actual, that's the actual thing, right? Like, and that, and go figure that that was exactly also another piece of the podcast that they were talking about today on that episode from the Ben and Jerry's podcast, right? Oh, it was like, that. right. They're literally all talking about, and this is, I'm, I'm ta- not talking about it today. This is me finishing listening to it today. So again, I'm, I'm behind, but like, <laughs> It's the same, it's the exact same thing. They're talking about how, you know, conversations about race and racism, white people are so quick to talk about how, oh, their kids are too like, uh, what is it called? Fragile. Um, mm-hmm. they're too young to engage in these conversations about race and racism, right? At what point in time are they going to be old enough? And the thing is that like you white people's kids are too young to have those conversations but black people kids like black folk kids black kids i don't know why i'm saying it like that black folk kids have to have that conversation that the talk that conversation from like the age of like three and one of the things that or from really young as long as once they're old enough one thing that um 
the dude was saying, uh, uh, of course, now I, like, I'm blanking on his name, but like one of the things that he was saying was literally that um, if you're not educating your children about racism by the age of three, someone's going to. Absolutely. Right? And, if, and the systems and the structures are going to inform your children about what is. How do you think it is that three-year-old girls can call themselves ugly Right. Like it's something that they're seeing. It's what they're taking in from the world and they're experiencing in their classrooms with their belligerent teachers. Right. And it's, it's listen, it's violence that has a teacher. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, choose to to uh, I lost my train of thought. But it's, it's, it's just there's something just there's, it's wrong. And that these children, these young people at such an age are being like in their minds are being infiltrated by society that tells them that they're not enough. Absolutely. Right, is 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 part of the problem. It's everywhere. It's, it's not even part of the whole problem. So, like, we have to have those conversations with our kids. Who, once we have those conversations, then they're much more awakened to a world that hates them, right? right? And then they go out into the world at seven and eight, nine, twelve, and thirteen to buy Snickers and stuff, and they encounter this world and they're accosted by it and may not make it home afterward. But white kids are too young. At what age are they still too young? They're too young at twenty-five. Man, how old was Tamir Rice when they shot him? So Man. he's too young to be shot down, but your your kids are too young to be having that conversation. Like I don't I don't understand. And how 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 young how how old like how too old or how too was Emmett Till? And and now they're talking about going after that white woman who lied. And they should take her ass to jail, bruh. Take her to jail. I don't care that she's 80. They absolutely should. But, but this is also structural. That's also structural shit, right? Like, white people absolutely. will fight themselves. Because who's like, hiding that, that f- warrant all this time? Who? For 60-some years or however many years? Are you serious? Come like, on, but this man. is it. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's what it, that's what it is. That's this. Yeah. And and that's part of the problem, man. Like, this country is not made for us. There's nothing home of the free, land of the brave. Like, land of the brave, home of the free. There's nothing about that. Nothing. It's It's... There's no we the people. There's no right like it, there's none of that, and and it's infuriating, right? I remember when uh <laughs> I remember when we first started these conversations on like why like you were always angry, and I completely understood that, right? Because like it's easy, you know, to to be like angry when you're thinking about like what it means, what anti-blackness, what anti-black racism means in this country as a black person and how you fall into that, how you, how you are a part of that, how you yourself as a black person are anti-black up until the point where you choose not to be. Absolutely. Right. And then what that process of becoming anti-black every day, a journey, right. What that process of, of undoing the internalized racial oppression, mm-hmm. what that process looks like, right. Turns, makes you angry. And, and there's no other thing to be. Right. Until you unlearn what anger and hate can feel like and look like right, and realize that there are other energies that you can bring to the conversation of anti-blackness. Right. Of pro-blackness. Right. So. Whew. We definitely it doesn't, met at it a doesn't time make it I was less. reading Malcolm X. So, yeah, I, I was definitely yeah. angry. <laughs> reading it for the first time anyway. And but just yeah. learning, like like you said, like being anti-black and like how I contributed to that and like it just like the reverse racism things like for instance a lot of black people glorify lighter skin as opposed to darker skin it's a very reverse racist thing that you're taught you know and, and it's in media it's everywhere it's inescapable um but it's definitely anti 
black and it's very racist, reverse racist if you are black. Um, another example of that would be like, I would say black men who beat their women because you were taught that by master, right? When you were wrong and you were a slave, master beat you to show you that, hey, I have control. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a lot of black men then go home and implement that on their women, not knowing that it's a learned behavior. Um, and so you, you really got to sit down with yourself and just think about all of this that's been happening around you forever and, and just unlearn a lot of on top of that. And it's a difficult yeah. process to turn that mirror on yourself and say, you know, like, damn. Um, and some people don't have the capacity and retention to do that. And yeah, thumbs down to you, motherfucker. Um, for real. Because this is not a time for that. You know, so, you know, if you're a part of the problem, then you can't be a part of the solution. Not, not nearly at the same time, not ever. No, it's not a right. thing. Not a thing. Um, and I just want to also just one quick, quick thing. Cause I don't, I don't, at this point in time, I don't even know how, how long we've been on the, on the, on right. The it's been like two hours like, now, but yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Y'all got a long episode out yes. of this, man. This is um, the longest ever. Right. Um, but to all you woke white folk, cause I feel like, does not need to speak to y'all very quickly? Mm-hmm. Right? This, like, this woke, and I say woke, yeah, you know, whatever, it's fine. Like, y'all can, I don't say woke. Or whatever, whatever it is that you want to classify yourself when you say that you're pro-black and you're anti-black. I want you to know, because I remember I had to, because I, was it 2000, I had a conversation with a professor at my old school, who she said, um, it was, it was, uh, there was a video of a white dude, like a hickey white dude, who had come out and he had started saying a bunch of stuff about, like, you know, pro-black stuff and anti, like anti-white, like no, not so much anti-white, but just like people needed to like read up on Malcolm X and do this and do this and do this. And, and we had a whole discourse on it in our class. Right. And I remember this professor, she's written a book, she's done a bunch of other stuff. And she said, right. That because like we came back from watching the video of this white dude um, from the country kind of talk about it and um, talk about like, you know, pro-black stuff and whatever, make all of the statements. And right. She was like, well, what do you think about it? Right. Cause he said something about like, I'm not uh, anti-black, and I was just, and I, I joked in the class and was like, <laughs> I, I like the messages, everything except for that anti that he's not that I'm not anti-black part, but you know whatever. And so she was like, Why do you say that? And I was like, Because he's white. He's always going to be racist, mm. right? Like there's no there's no I'm not racist, right? Like he because he that's what he said. He said I'm not racist, not anti-black, which not synonymous. But another conversation, right? right? But like, because um, anti-black racism is very different from racism Absolutely. overall, right? Like I just, and so, right? Like she had an issue with me saying that he, she was like, I have written this book and that book and I've done this. And I know lots of white people who are um, pro-black and they are not racist. I do not consider them to be racist. And I was like, and you probably let them say nigga and everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Because at the end of the day, and this is, you know, somebody who's done a lot of work around like, you know, conversations on, on blackness and all of that stuff. And I won't take black literary prose. And so y'all can piece pieces together and do whatever you want to do. Right? <laughs> but like at the end of the day. Right. I am in stark disagreement with you because your whiteness hurt. But she's not white. She's black. But like the, the whiteness is 
the dominant culture. And as long as we cannot undo the dominant narrative, the dominant culture, the, 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 the culture that, you know, uh, uh, internalized racial superiority and, and inferiority, oppression, and all the rest of that come from, right? As long as we can't, as long as we don't undo it, as long as we still have to acknowledge a structure, a racial structure, a racial hierarchy, all of these things, white people, because of their whiteness, will always be racist. Absolutely. Right. Because of their and, and, and people's proximity to it. Right. Unless they're fully aware of their white cloak and white facedness and white, like white, like circa whiteness. Right. Like <laughs> that will always engage in 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 that structure as though they were white without all the privilege of whiteness. And so, like, we need to be clear when people say things like especially white folks and non-black folks, because, right, like that model minority shit that you non-black, non-whites keep doing is also a thing. But, like, we need to just be clear when we're saying these things, right, when y'all are saying these things, that, like, it's not it's not true. White people will never not have an opportunity to be racist, mm-hmm. right? They never will until we undo that system, which continues to uphold and exacerbate racism. Like, it just won't. And that also means to hold your counterparts accountable. It do. It do. It does. Right. And I'm not saying that there aren't good. I know some, listen, like that professor, I know some amazing, powerful, do the work as white folks. And they still get to be held accountable, right, for their whiteness. And it's not about them. Right. It's not about them. It's about their whiteness. And I think that that's a huge distinction people need to make, too, especially white folks. The sooner that most white people understand that racism isn't about you, unless the moment that you make racism about you, now you're actually being racist. Be clear, right? That your whiteness is the racist function and that you are cloaked in it mm. is what's racist is, is the conversation, which is why there's so many of you that can turn around and be pro-black, right? That can be advocates, that can do what's right and be what's right, mm-hmm. right? But that doesn't remove you from being racist. It just doesn't, right? Because it's, again, not about you as an individual until it is, okay? It is about you. And it's it's those little decisions that make you racist, those ones where, like, you vote for, like, your your husband is a raging Trump supporter and you marry him (laughs) and, like, you allow him to say the things he says and you don't correct him, right? It's those things. Right. It's the voting for like pro like pro life laws. Right. Uh, because you don't have to be you don't you don't engage. It's those things. It's those little micro things that are macro things. And like that's what that's what that's what continues to uphold the racism. Mm-hmm. That's why your white ass is white. Oh, sorry. Racist. Right. <laughs> because your whiteness can't be denied and you can't even deny it. There's moments where you just don't even know that you're just racing your way through life. And I'm so boxed, but like I just, I just, I just felt it in my spirit that we could not get through this conversation without making sure that we said it. Because we've talked about quite a few people, but that has been on my soul for a minute. And like, sorry, your podcast has to be the place that I let it out. Listen, but I'm glad you got it out. We get to have, you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. I'm with it. Come on, give it up one time for my boy Kirill <laughs> Julian. <laughs> I want to thank you for joining me today. Definitely an informative. Oh, uh-huh, man, I appreciate host. it. And we have definitely had the longest taped episode of the random assortment that I have ever recorded. It would be with the Libra, right? 
It would be with a Libra. Yeah, we, are, we are here to, we are the advocates. Before we sign out, is there anything you want to say to the people? Um, I think that I want to say um, it's not enough to be, like, not racist. Right. And so and I'm taking that from this this great video called uh, like the difference between being not racist and anti-racist. Mm-hmm. If you look it up online, you can find it. But like it's not enough to be not racist. Right. You've actually got to go actively pursue anti-racism, actively pursue it in yourself, actively pursue it in in all that you do and all that you say in the people and the relationships that you have with folks. You actually have to pursue it. Right. And journey toward it and acknowledge all of the things that continue to hold you in those ways, right? Like, and, like hold you racist. And cause that, cause that's what it is. As long as you are white, you're being held racist. Right. And like, <laughs> it's like being held hostage to a system that y'all put together, <laughs> but you know, Literally. whatever. Right. And so like, I, I just, I just want to, I want to say that, but then I also just want to say, you know, for all my brothers and sisters, for all you black folks, for you beautiful, beautiful, melanated people, Right. Um, and in that way, I'm speaking about black folks and, and, and non-white, non-black folks, right? The, the, um, in people, people of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, indigeneity, people who are South Asian people, right? Like, um, this structure wasn't yours, right? And you do not have to subscribe to it, right? Or, as- or ascribe to it. Let's, let's talk about that, right? But like, you know, that, that you choose every day to wake up and fight that fight as you choose to wake up every day and fight it. Cause many of you don't, right. <laughs> um, they don't listen like model minority is a thing for a reason. And so like, um, and then good black is a thing for a reason. So like, I just, I just, I just want to say, right. The journey's not over. The fight's not over. We have a lot of work to do. Right. And at the same time, take care of yourself, mental health, Right. Um, we know that like social justice advocates and people suffer from significant bouts of, of mental stress and trauma. Mm. Um, uh, we lose so many advocates a year to just that alone, far less the fact that being an advocate is not, um, <laughs> is not a paying gig for, for everybody. Man. Okay. Cause if it was, we could very all just be doing job. it and we'd be living great. It's a very draining job. It's very hard to do. It's very hard to look at this. It's very hard to see it, but that you choose it, that any of you choose it. I'm grateful for you. Right. And I pray you wellness. Um, and I, and I, and I source, you know, holistic relationships with people who can support you and uplift you. And that is my piece. Come on, somebody. Y'all give it up one time on, for the racial equity and social justice advocate for a very prestigious <laughs> agency in New York City. You know, you know, actually, you, I just want to say, man, I love you. And, um, I love you too, you, bro. The, since we met, like the growth, uh, and not to, not to be like you, listen, but like, I'm just, <laughs> not to I'm my own a little bit, you know. Yeah, okay, listen. <laughs> okay. Right. You know, we out here. Um, but no, 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 I really appreciate you and, and, and I'm grateful to even get a chance to be on this podcast with you and have this extra long episode. But um, um, it was great. I miss our conversations in these ways. And like, like, I drove to like Atlantic City a few, like a couple of weeks ago, y'all. And like from New York City to there, it's like three hours. We were on the phone the whole time talking about a lot of stuff. Yeah. So like, you know, this com- this this episode goes in the same vein as how our conversations go. Literally. So bear with us because I think that, you know, there's a lot of good that was said here. Um, but also shout out to you, Sean. Um, this is... Uh, 
you know, it's just a dope, it's a dope platform. So. Well, thank you, friend. I definitely appreciate that. And I want to thank everybody out there for listening to episode five of the Random Assortment featuring my boy Curell. We out of here, y'all. Take it easy.